When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast, the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Well, let's talk to the man who's in charge of vaccine deployment. That's the Minister, uh, Nadim Sahawi, who kindly joins us now. Good morning to you. Good morning, Jim. Good morning. Lots of, uh, I mean, lots of hope, lots of excitement about, we've got three vaccines, two already out and about. Uh, we're told millions of, of vaccine doses simply just waiting for safety approval. And yet we've only seen 1.3 million people vaccinated, 1.3 million more than a lot of other countries. Uh, but nevertheless, there's a lot of concern that we are not looking at 24-7 deployment. We're not using pharmacists. We're not using, um, you know, Public Health England not working on a Sunday. Um, are we really on the sort of emergency war footing yet that we need to be to get this vaccine out thank you very much for that so um the nhs has got a very clear delivery plan on this we will be working with pharmacies community pharmacies uh, will be part of the effort independent pharmacies will be part of the vaccination program uh, we started you'll recall julia on the 8th of december with hospital hubs um uh, then we rolled out into gps these are called primary care networks, uh, five or six GPs coming together, population about 50,000, choosing uh, one to lead, others to support, and then very good at rolling out into the care home sector as well. And then you'll see the national vaccination centres come online uh, uh, imminently and community pharmacies and the independent sector. On Public Health England, by the way, they absolutely will deliver seven days a week. So this story is... Uh, uh, you know, with respect to a, a non-story, they've been delivering up until now uh, uh, six days a week as the NHS has requested the vaccines to go out. They are on a footing to go seven days a week as we get more uh, vaccines. Sorry, why were they not the on seven days a week already? Well, because the, so they they are absolutely, if they need to deliver on Sunday, they would have delivered on a Sunday. They've never had a... You just uh, said a, they were delivering question. six days a week, not seven days a week. But now that you're asking them to do seven days a week, they'll do seven days a week. So which is it? No. So the, the, the head of the PHE has said that they've always been on a seven day footing as they are requested to be and they will continue uh, 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 to do that. Um, that is absolutely the priority for them, for the whole of the NHS. They were vaccinating during Christmas, they were vaccinating in New Year and they'll continue to deliver. Uh, we've done, as you say, 1.3 million uh, uh, vaccinations uh, and that number will grow this week so from the 4th of January to the 11th of January as of next week the Prime Minister quite rightly uh, 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 wants us to, to deliver daily numbers 
your listeners will see uh, the um, uplift in vaccinations in the next seven days and then uh, the week after and the week after. I'm confident that the NHS, with the military, by the way, embedded with Brigadier Phil Prosser, big shout out to him, and 101 Logistics Brigade, because they're embedded in that delivery program that I've just described okay. to you, we will deliver on this target. Okay, I mean, and that's the thing, a lot of people want every single thing, you know, every facility used. So, for instance, you know, using using every single pharmacy, using the military. Um, are we going to be having, say, open-air sports stadia just opened up, car parks, people could just drive in or walk in, get their jab and leave? I know there's a 50-minute time period where they have to sort of be, be assessed, but, you know, people could just go in, you know, you could have seats, uh, you know, socially distance allowed people to do that without using up a lot of uh, uh, the staff's time. Are we going to be rolling this out in the same way that Israel has managed to roll it out? They are delivering per day equivalent in terms of population size what we are doing a week at the moment. So, again, um, you will see the increase in vaccination numbers this week uh, as we begin to move towards that target of mid-February for the first four categories, so up to the over 70s, and of course the uh, uh, other three categories that the uh, Joint Committee on Vaccination and Immunisation have set us. Um, we've got the National Vaccination Centres, this is what you've just described as you know, sports stadia and sports halls, you'll see those uh, uh, and the nation will be able to see those. Of course, one of the most effective ways, I hope you'll agree with me, to get to the most vulnerable on that list of categories, the over 80s, and those in care homes is through GPs, which is why we focused on rolling out through GPs, the primary care networks I just described to you, you know, five or six GPs coming together to serve their community uh, because they're best placed to get to those really hard to reach, most vulnerable people. Uh, and so the NHS, I think, has got a really clear delivery plan. Uh, my job is to make sure we continue to support uh, those who are absolutely on the front line delivering this, and we will. I absolutely believe confidently deliver on that mid-February target. And, 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 when we have, and when we have delivered on that, um, and, and I say, I, I'm, I'm, hope, I'm glad that you're confident. My God, the whole country is rooting for you, Minister, to succeed. And I, and I know you've got to go. Just final question. Um, when we have delivered on that, mid-February, all the over 70s, that's 86% of deaths accounted for by over 70s, having the, that the, uh, the, the, the vaccine. Um, and, and a few weeks after that, when we know that they're all covered by that, from the, you know, that, that massive 89% you know, protection from the first dose, at that point, is there any reason why all restrictions on our lives, our freedoms, our economy, our schools and the like should not be lifted? So there will come an inflection point. You're absolutely right. And if you go through the nine categories that the JCCPI have set us, that's 99% of mortality, uh, of deaths uh, are, are pretty much covered. And as you say, a couple of weeks after the, the first jab, they will have that protection. As a quarter of all over 80-year-olds already have been vaccinated, in a couple of weeks time they'll have that protection then there will come a point there will be an inflection point between community spread um you know, hospitalization deaths and of course the number of people vaccinated and then it's a it's a political decision as chris witty has described as to when we can lift the non-pharmaceutical interventions the lockdown and none more so than the prime minister i promise you who wants to do this as soon as possible, no, hence I'm, why it's a stretching target. I'm, I'm a little bit confused. I, I don't want to take any more time, but you talked about getting through those nine categories. That, that includes people like me who are healthy 50-year-olds. Uh, um, and it includes you being on that list. Are you saying we don't start lifting any of these restrictions until you and I have had the vaccine? Because that's a year away. No, I'm not. First of all, 
over 50 year olds uh, are in the uh, nine categories yeah. um, that, that the JCVI have. But the have first set. three categories takes va- the vast, vast, vast majority of deaths off the scene. Correct. So let me so let me get there, Julia. In middle of February for the first four categories, and then you know, what I'm you know, a couple of weeks after that, you'll hopefully see the impact of that protection on hospitalisation rates on uh, deaths, uh, which will then be a, a, a moment, a political moment for us to make a decision okay. on how we manage this virus. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app, Talk Radio. Yesterday, we had the announcement from the Chancellor Rishi Sunak of an extra £4.6 billion in grants for businesses during lockdown, maximum of £9,000 each. We've already spoken to the Federation of Small Businesses. You say that really doesn't touch the size of what's needed. What about all of these issues in terms of business rates, rents, loans that start to being, having to be repaid in a matter of months when businesses are still forced to stay closed, particularly if they're in the leisure, retail uh, or travel industries uh, and, uh, and the hospitality as well. But what about those who had no help at all. The excluded UK group, up to three million self-employed people, not entitled to a single penny all this time. Well, Rachel Flower is spokesperson for Excluded UK and joins us right now. Good morning. Good morning, Julia. Good morning. I mean, even just when we have some hope that uh, with a vaccine being rolled out that things will get better, we're plunged in the new year into another lockdown, told six weeks uh, uh, before it's reviewed. What we're hearing from the press conference last night, uh, we're looking at months and months of this. Um, what was your reaction when you heard about the lockdown and saw that press conference last night in terms of you and other people that you represent at Excluded UK and how much help or lack of help you're going to get? Well, the important thing to say first is, as you just highlighted, this is a community of taxpayers and their households that have had no meaningful support since right back in March 2020. And at that time, the Chancellor stood up and said, you won't be left behind, you won't be forgotten. When the small print of the support schemes was published, it turns out that this huge, vast community within our society has indeed been forgotten and isn't eligible for income support. So this, in terms of the new lockdown, was just another really hard blow in a whole series of hard blows over very long months now. To be honest, for Excluded UK, the festive period and going into the new year was already extremely difficult. So many in our community pushed into hardship, debt, poverty, lost their homes, experienced extremely difficult mental health crises. Um, There's there's an element within the community, they just don't even think any help is ever going to come now. They feel so let down by this government, feel that they've had their backs turned to them for so long. Um, And what are we expected to do as a not-for-profit alliance to give them any sort of guidance and support? It's an incredible situation for us to be placed in, to be asked to support this community with no funding and a lot of these people people who you know took some risks went out on their own set up a business um you know the sort of powerhouse of this economy people who who, who do that you know just sort of plod through and just uh, uh, and make someone else make all the other decisions they, they, they backed themselves and yet they're not getting the backing now a lot of people and i'm among those who really welcomed what rishi sunak first announced in the first lockdown to help keep business alive again that's when we thought it was just going to be a matter of a few weeks um i'm beginning to despair that actually an awful lot of financial help is what enables all of these lockdowns to continue maybe if actually people knew that you know frankly you're going to have be out of a job out of a business off furlough no money at all maybe people would stop supporting uh, these lockdowns but 
I had a lot of sympathy for the Chancellor uh, when he I was asked repeatedly about this. Is that actually, you know, how on earth can he identify a lot of the the people who you represent and on their income if they've not fa say you know filed reports if they're not if, if if they haven't had a business up for very long, which is a lot of your members, and there isn't actually any proof that those businesses are in existence. The need to stop people claiming sort of mass fraudulent claims for the, for this this help, although not they've managed to prevent a lot of that fraud. We understand that was the well, reason. Why? What, what do I'm you sorry to say, Julia, that that's been the really damaging narrative that has held back our cause. Yeah. Because where there's a will, there's a way. And we've seen the government do some very complicated things in short spaces of time. So we know that it's possible to do. The support schemes themselves were put up very quickly. The gaps in the schemes were identified as early as June. Yeah. And there was a Treasury sub-report um, that came out that said, please close these gaps. These people have been excluded through no fault of their own. It wouldn't be very difficult. We've put forward lots and lots of proposals for how that could be done. If you take one group, for example, the newly self-employed, they are ineligible because, of course, they can't file a 2018-19 tax return. Of course, they set up their business in the 18 months prior to March 2020 with no knowledge that a pandemic was no. coming. Um, they could have been allowed to claim on the basis of whatever they were doing in the three years previous. The vast majority were in PAYE roles before they took the brave plunge into entrepreneurship. That's, 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 a, very fair, very, that's a very fair point. Actually. They could that's also a, have been yeah. allowed to put in their 1920 tax returns. That would have been another solution. And, you know, the, the, the fact that they're saying there could have been fraud and um, it's open to organised crime. My question has always been, well, what do the HMRC normally do to establish whether somebody is legitimately self-employed? And the other thing that they could have done is self-certification and clawback, which indeed they're going to have to do. For those people that have been eligible for the self-employed scheme, uh, they are going to have to, in their future tax returns, carry on demonstrating that they didn't profiteer and that they didn't take these grants and continue working and in the end make more money. Uh, we yeah. know a lot of people have done that. So these excuses that have been given by the Chancellor make me personally and the wider community so, so angry. Because coming back to the core point where there's a will, there's a way, they have not even come to the table and had a consultation or a discussion, not just with us as a not-for-profit, but there's an APPG set up with over 260 MPs. Well, that's so all party parliamentary group, meeting. yeah. Just in the week before Christmas, there was a meeting with the Treasury and Jesse Norman, who has now invited some proposals to be put on the table. And we're very happy to be putting those proposals forward. But the fact is, this is nearly 10 months on that 3 million households have been left without meaningful support. That is not the nation standing shoulder to shoulder. And your point, Julia, is absolutely right. How are people expected to do their civic duty and now stay home when they have no means of earning a livelihood and their basic living expenses aren't being helped and met for them? OK, well, I mean, look, you've put a fantastically, I mean, I would say you've absolutely won me over with that argument. And I think many of my listeners who weren't already won over, um, really simple solutions that would have at least cut down the number of people who weren't affected. What would you say to someone who's saying right now, you know what, well, lots of the people have lost their jobs during this. Uh, they're the first scheme then you didn't wasn't enough to save their job and and they're on universal credit why can't your members just claim universal credit which is what other people have been forced to do what would you say to them yeah, that's a really great point. So um, I want to be very clear that the community of Excluded UK isn't just self-employed people. It already includes people who were denied furlough by their employers back in March, April, May, or were just moving jobs. Yeah. And were actually pushed unjustly into unemployment. So that's something to bear in mind. The job retention scheme had a flaw that the employer was the gatekeeper. Even though it was taxpayers' money coming to meet the furlough payments, the employer sat in the middle and said who got it and who didn't. So we have a lot of PAYE freelancers, people who are on zero-hour contracts, Contracts. 
The other thing to be really clear on is that we were talking, we've surveyed our community over 60% are low income classed as low income. So we are not talking about people in the self-employed or limited yeah. company directors, fat cat salaries. The vast majority of people were earning under 30,000 pounds when the lockdown began. So they didn't have savings. Again, we surveyed the community, over 55% have applied for universal credit since March and been refused. So- On the, what the, basis the, are they being refused? Um, well, I think that fundamentally the system isn't fit for purpose. So if you have a partner that isn't working, that is working, then yeah. you're automatically ineligible. If you have an amount of savings in the bank, you're automatically ineligible. Um, and so if you take that as an example, somebody back in March who was part of a two income household, most people in the UK are, yeah. they need that second income to survive. You can't claim universal credit whilst your partner is working. Um, if you have any savings, you're expected to exhaust all those savings before you can and um, uh, claim the credit uh, that's people awful stories they might have been saving for a car yeah. or have a little holiday fund or so the, the key point is well, savings for their if, retirement for goodness sake well yeah so even though people have survived the fundamental injustice is that that isn't parity with those taxpayers who have been fairly supported across the uk online on dab and on your smart speaker talk radio thanks for listening to the julia hartley brewer daily if you liked what you heard please subscribe and give me a good review and don't forget to catch me on the talk radio breakfast show every weekday from 6 30 until 10 hey folks i'm mark Marin from the wtf podcast and this episode is brought to you by kleenex ultra soft tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.